Due to themes of child sexual abuse and exploitation, the content of this podcast may be distressing to some people. It is not suitable for children and listener discretion is advised. For advice and support, please visit accce.gov.au. The technology is obviously here to stay and we're here to help parents and carers kind of get on board with it and understand it. The parents need to know what the children are doing, who they're speaking to and what they're doing online. So many parents out there have no idea what their children are doing in their bedroom or what apps they're playing. And I think it's about conversations and and having uh, open conversations with your children around online safety and also making it a safe place for them to speak up if something doesn't seem right or they've had a strange approach or they're having an interaction that doesn't make sense. Innocence is not ignorance. So we need to ensure that by wanting to keep our children's innocence and maintain their kind of carefree curiosity and love of the world, that we don't keep them ignorant about the things that can really help them to protect themselves. I'm Roger Corsa, and this is Closing the Net, a podcast series that explores the world of those policing the borderless crime of online child sexual exploitation. Women and men who work tirelessly to protect children from harm and bring child sex offenders to justice. The Australian Federal Police has a significant role to play in ensuring children and young people are safe. It leads the Australian Centre to Counter Child Exploitation, known as the ACE, which is at the heart of Australia's coordinated response to this horrendous crime type. The ACE is a world-leading facility, uniting law enforcement agencies and child protection organisations from across the country and the world to combat child exploitation in all its various forms. Coming up, we examine how knowledge is power. Knowing more about technology, knowing more about what is and isn't appropriate online, and for parents, knowing how to talk to your kids about online safety. We'll also hear one parent's harrowing story of how online grooming involving her 12-year-old daughter changed her family's life forever. She, in a sense, knew what was happening was wrong. I think she felt pretty powerless to stop it and she certainly felt powerless to let anyone know, which um, is probably the most hurtful thing out of it for me as her mum is that she didn't feel that she could come to me and and tell me what was going on. And that's something that has continued to affect our relationship to this day. Some of what you're about to hear may be confronting, but these are stories that need to be told. Stories that need to be talked about by teachers, by carers and parents, by people like you and I. From the moment we give our kids a device connected to the internet, we open up their access to the world. And we open up the world's access to them. Technology allows us to talk to anyone from anywhere. And particularly for our kids, it's a vital part of their social network. The average Aussie teenager spends about 15 hours a week online. But how much of what they're doing are their parents actually aware of? 
I'm very aware what they can get up to, but I'm not aware of what they're getting up to because they're now old enough to be in their room with devices that I don't share. So I just trust that they're doing the right thing. So while they share things with me, the amusing things and the sad things, I don't really know what they're doing and I wouldn't expect to because they don't know what's on my phone. So I ask our boys, you know, what games are you playing at the moment and whatever, but it's very difficult to really get a sense of it. I think it's more about the underlying technology that if they want to avoid recognition, they can easily do it. They started out on with their internet use quite late compared to a lot of other kids. I feel like maybe that was a bit protective. However, they did go to other people's houses and I know there was a lot more liberality there. So my position was mostly that they've all been exposed to a lot of stuff that I'd prefer they weren't exposed to. But I feel like that's out of my control. According to the Office of the eSafety Commissioner, Australian teenagers have at least four different social media accounts and 80% of them play online games on a regular basis. But almost one in every three of these kids has experienced unwanted contact from someone they don't know when they've been online. One in every five has been sent inappropriate material, such as pornography. Online child sex offenders will use social media and gaming apps to try and access children grooming them for future exploitation. Yet so many parents don't see this as an issue. Research conducted by the ACE last year revealed that just 3% of parents are concerned about online grooming. Danielle Kelly is the team leader of prevention and engagement at the ACE, who says parents need to understand just how quickly and easily online grooming can take place. You could literally be playing in a game and then you can take them into another room and say, hey, I know this other cool game, it's called Adopt Me or it's called this or it's called that. Why don't you come play with me in this game? And that's straight there, that's grooming. And in that sort of situation, grooming can literally occur within three minutes. Parents, I think, are still not understanding that that it's really easy to do and it's really easy to have children's language. It's like, hey, come with me, come do this, all of that sort of stuff. They're very advanced in knowing the type of language that, say, an 8-year-old would be using as opposed to an 11 or a 12-year-old and they, they research. We have to work doubly as hard to ensure that these people who are saying they are someone else are not getting through to our kids. Part of that work for the AFP and the ACE involves helping kids and parents understand what online grooming can look like. Kerry-Ann Walsh is a professor in the Faculty of Education at the Queensland University of Technology. In looking at ways to make the world a safer place for kids, Kerry-Ann believes there's more we need to learn about grooming and grooming lures. Recognising and responding or understanding what grooming lures are is one of the key blind spots, if you like. And because those grooming lures can take a multitude of forms and they can be from a multitude of people whose identities we do not know, including even our kids' peers, it can be virtually impossible for kids alone by themselves to be able to know and to accurately identify those grooming lures. I think it's a really complex thing. We can't jump in at the deep end with them on teaching them grooming lures if we haven't already done some of the groundwork in teaching them how to be online, how to, to interact with other people online, how to develop and maintain relationships online with other people generally. So I think, again, it comes down to building relationships with children and that starts right from the very beginning. 
So I think parents can lay the groundwork not only with in relation to online activities but in relation to everyday relationships, beginning from when children are very young, teaching them how to enter play, teaching them how to maintain play, teaching them how to resolve low-level conflicts that arise with their friends at the early childhood centre, at school, at sport, at music, at choir, all of those things. So building that relationship over time enables parents then when serious things are needed to be discussed that there's an open channel, an open line of communication and the child knows that the parent is not going to take a hard line approach or is not going to be critical and judgmental because once we take that stance we will have lost children. They won't respond. Parents can begin very early by delivering messages to their children like... Nothing is so awful, terrible, horrible that you can't come to me and talk with me about it. Parents can be telling their children, you know, nothing is so bad you can't talk to me about it and I will love you like I love you no matter what. It's never too early for parents to start having those conversations, but it doesn't mean having to become an online expert, nor is it about putting a whole new set of rules in place. It's simply about understanding how technology fits into our kids' lives. The Alana and Madeline Foundation have worked tirelessly for decades to protect kids from harm. And CEO Leslie Podesta is a strong advocate for parents taking an interest in what their kids are doing in the online space. Just as as your children are growing up, you have the conversations about the sporting game they were in and how they played and what happened and their friends and who they came in contact with and why they like or don't like that person. Have those conversations with your children about why they like that game, what's good about that, what makes it fun. And let me tell you, your children love to be able to share with you what's so exciting and what's so fun. And when we try to help families particularly reframe the conversation that way, it really changes that dynamic and that sense about still being their parent as part of that. As a parent, it's about taking off your it's-all-rubbish hat, putting on your that's-my-child-who-I-love hat, and if that's something that's so important to them, maybe I better understand it a bit more and it really makes a difference. Having those kinds of conversations with young kids is one thing. Having them with teenagers can be more of a challenge. Engaging with children and young people as they mature and go through things, of course it's more difficult, of course there's more challenges. But there are some things that make it easier, I think. One of the things, the techniques that we suggest is don't have the technology talk. Find the ways to have talking as a feature of your family life. So... You've probably heard this a million times, but the shared meal is really important. We also find that you can talk to adolescents more easily by being in the car together, so either side by side or them behind you. Face to face and looking in the eyes is the worst way to have a conversation with an adolescent. So there are definitely ways to find into young people from different times in their life. But I think starting with the I want to talk to you about your obsession with Fortnite is the worst way to do it. You know, you can't have that. But talking to them about, do you think I'm spending a lot of time on my phone? Because that's the other thing. We've heard a lot from young people about the fact that their parents want to 
modulate the way they use engage with screens but completely absolve themselves of any responsibility at all. And, you know, we talk a lot about building a family compact about the way that we will use our mobile phones at home and whether we use them during meals and can you watch TV together and everyone put your phones down at the same time, things like that where it becomes the norm and this is the way we do things in our family. That's important, I think. One thing is abundantly clear. No matter how tough the conversation may seem, Talking to kids about their online interests is an important step for parents in terms of filling that generational knowledge gap. But where can parents go to help equip themselves with the right kind of advice to help make those conversations effective? Think You Know is a national program and free website that provides valuable information to parents, carers, teachers and students around how to stay safe online. The most viewed content on the Think You Know website is around the find advice area at the moment. So we know that parents and carers are really interested in in looking for information around online child sexual exploitation and preventing abuse online. Simone McKeo leads the AFP's online child safety team who run the Think You Know program. Think You Know has five top tips for parents and carers. So our first tip is that supervision is essential. And this means knowing what your children are doing online, who they're interacting with, the types of platforms, apps or games they're using. We also recommend having open conversations, but it's important that these happen regularly. The most important tip we can give to any parent or carer, at the moment, our research suggests that only 52% of parents and carers are talking to their children about these type of issues. And we'd really like to see this number increase. The third tip we have is checking privacy settings. So we recommend parents and carers research and understand app settings, including privacy settings. Um, And this could include things like turning off location, setting profiles to private, or even turning off the chat function as well, which can minimise the the chance of unwanted or inappropriate contact for a child. Our next tip is to be approachable if your child needs help. Coming forward isn't easy, um, and children may be reluctant to come to their parents to report any online issues if they believe they'll be punished or have their devices taken away. And this can also make children more secretive around how they're using devices and puts them at greater risk of exploitation. And our final tip is to know how to report. So if something goes wrong online, it's critical that children are supported and that parents and carers know how to take action. It's important for parents to know that they're not alone in the quest to help their kids be safe in the online space. With the help of the ACE, the AFP and the eSafety Commissioner, the Alana and Madeline Foundation has developed a series of online safety tools and resources to teach young kids how to stay safe online from an early age. The initiative is called Playing It Safe. It's a really important part of building the tools and resources for the early childhood sector, including parents, which recognises that young children engage online well before they can read, well before they start at the school gate. And there hasn't been the opportunity for early learning staff to have any real specific training in that area. It really came about because we recognised the changing dynamics within families and that for preschool teachers, they had a really key role in helping children make sense of their world. So it's a series of very high quality, interactive tools and resources. They're online, but we're also doing face-to-face workshops and training across the country with the support of the Gandell Foundation. 
to help preschool teachers to have those conversations with children and to have those conversations with parents and to build a better awareness of what it means. Now, all of us forget, I think, what it's like to be three years old. (laughs) I remember when I was very young and I'd watch TV, I thought there were little people inside that box. (laughs) Now, when we watched television, it was quite passive. They entertained us and we sat there. For a three-year-old these days, it's not passive. They are doing something and there's a response and they can communicate. So how do you teach what that means? What does it mean for you to be using this device? It's a person on the other end. You know, my parents had to teach me it wasn't a person in the television, but parents now have to teach very young children. It might be a box, but it's connected to another person. What playing it safe does is it breaks down all of the processes around how does interconnectivity work in ways that a three-year-old can kind of make sense of because we know they're not going to be safe, they're not going to be confident users if it's just a mystery to them. And a really good example is the concept of friend. Now, what do we think of as a friend? We think of it as someone we know and we trust and we like them and they're good and... What does a three-year-old think of as a friend? Someone who's friendly to them. (laughs) It's true. That's what they think a friend is. We know the notion of who is a friend online is a really critical one, particularly if we're talking about how do you keep very young children safe. We've seen some fantastic resources about how to use passwords and what do passwords mean, verification using your finger or thumbprint. Great examples of preschools and childcare services using playing it safe resources in a way that's so imaginative it absolutely makes sense to children and it means that the kids kind of get what they're doing and that's the whole purpose of it. (laughs) What we're seeing here is the important role played by early educators when it comes to equipping young kids with the right kind of information to safely navigate the internet as they grow older. And while some parents may feel a bit squeamish about it, Professor Kerry-Ann Walsh believes teaching children about sex will also help protect them. I do think we need to be proactive about sex education and it has to begin very early. But that concerns parents because they think in schools we're going to jump in and start teaching children about intercourse when they're four or five years old or even earlier. But that's not the case. Children don't need to learn about that specific aspect of sex in year one or in prep, but they do need to understand some of the foundational concepts. They need to know and understand that their body belongs to them. They need to learn about body integrity. They need to learn about safe and unsafe touches. They need to learn those parts of their bodies that are public and private and it's taught in different ways, safe and unsafe secrets or secrets and surprises. It's done in different ways depending how it might be taught. Teaching kids about their bodies is important. So is teaching them from a young age about respectful relationships. But the other elephant in the room is pornography, which can send dangerous messages to young minds. Messages like mutual consent isn't important or that violent sexual acts are somehow normal. They're subliminal messages that can shape a young person's attitudes towards sexuality and even lead to them developing harmful sexual behaviours. So kids are basically acting out what they're seeing and they're seeing everything. I've got 14-year-old girls who, in my research, who say that they like to be strangled when they're having sex. 14, 
So I'm very, very concerned about children's access to pornography and I think it's creating havoc in our community. Dr Gemma McKibben is part of the Violence Against Women and Children research team at the University of Melbourne. She knows pornography is an issue that parents and schools can't just ignore in the hope that it goes away. I think that the pornography problem is much bigger than parents and families and that we need to be addressing that systematically as a community. The pornography industry itself needs to step up and work to protect our kids from the material. In terms of what parents can do, I think the best thing you can do is talk to your kids about pornography from a young age and to let them know what pornography is. So it's images of people having sex and it's designed to sort of be titillating. What's titillating? Well, you know, when people... So you've got to kind of go into some detail with that. I think it's much better if they're having that conversation with safe adults in their life who can provide accurate information rather than from little Jimmy. You know, once one kid in school discovers Pornhub, every kid is looking at Pornhub. So I think that early conversations, brave conversations need to be had but also talking to kids about consent and age and what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. If you talk to kids who are sexually harmful, they just didn't know that they weren't allowed to do that. They didn't know what incest was. You know, they didn't know that they weren't allowed to have sex before, you know, a certain age and within a certain age range. So some of it's just actually giving them the information about what they're allowed to do and not do. Increasing the knowledge base around what's appropriate sexual behaviour and what's appropriate online behaviour is a priority for all Australian communities, including those where English might be a second language. Educating those communities is a priority for AFP Commissioner Rhys Kershaw. It's about education and sitting down with those community elders and leaders and explaining that this is a serious issue. It's a bit like banking now. I don't have to go into a bank to rob you. You know, I can go into your bank account online. And if you think about that, you know, with uh, children, I can groom your child and I live in another country and I can blackmail them and get them to send me nude photos and do all sorts of things. And those are real cases that are happening in Australia. So those communities need case studies. They need that prevention, education, awareness to understand and some tools as well as to, well, what do I put on the phone? How do I keep them safe online? What are the commercially available products that that help my kids stay safe online? And I think there's there's a whole body of work in our Indigenous and Cold communities to be able to educate and then give them practical prevention tools and so on and and awareness to combat this uh, horrible crime type. It's something that Danielle Kelly and the prevention and engagement team at the ACE are constantly working on. From our national perspective, what we're trying to do is both do an overarching campaign where we talk to all of the parents about the bigger issues and then we break it down into different communities. So we have found that different communities will experience different issues. We're working to ensure that we're covering off on those issues as well as getting the general information out there. So if we have parents just walk away and say, I'm just going to have a look at what my kid's doing on their iPad, that's enough for us from a perspective of at least parents are aware of what's happening. And then maybe having a conversation with their kids is the second step. So have a conversation to say, you may get into trouble. You may do the wrong thing in some capacity. I'm never going to take your iPad off you because that's something that we never want to encourage. We don't want to remove the technology from them. We just want them to be using it in the most healthy and safe way that they can. 
we can't take it away. It doesn't assist any of the problems that we have. So we have to educate the parents of the best way. Open the communication. If you accidentally send a sexy selfie to a friend of yours, or if you get talked into doing something wrong on the internet, come and talk to me. What can we do? How can we fix this? It's not the end of the world. It's only the end of the world if you let it fester and not actually talk to your parent about it or your carer or your best friend or your teacher. Rebecca Kilpatrick heads up the National Office for Child Safety. You don't have to create the solution. A lot of the work is out there. All you have to do is be open to the solution and be open to engaging with the resources. So our website has lots of really great things, including new resources that we've developed just recently with kids, for kids. It's called Speak Up and it's really about supporting kids to understand that if you don't feel safe, if you feel uncomfortable, if something's not quite right, what can you do? You can speak up. And how do you go about speaking up? People can go onto the website and download the posters and download those resources and and share them in their community. When it comes to being safe online, the more knowledge we as parents have means the more knowledge our kids have to confidently speak out and seek help when something isn't right. For our kids, it's also knowing what something isn't right looks like and knowing that not everyone online is who they say they are. In 2017, Fiona's then 12-year-old daughter was being groomed by an online sex offender through the popular app Instagram. For legal reasons, we've not used Fiona's real name and have disguised her voice. The online offender grooming Fiona's daughter was a 30-year-old man living thousands of kilometres away. He was posing online as an 18-year-old. He was not known to her in any way, shape or form. I am not entirely sure how she came about to be added by him. My daughter suffered from some self-esteem and anxiety issues, so... Some of her posts sometimes would be, you know, potentially seeking some validation from her friends and her Instagram community that she was pretty, was attractive, those sorts of things. So I think it was quite easy for him to pick someone like her. Over a period of six weeks, Fiona's daughter was bombarded with close to 800 messages. It was... Just a consistent barrage, 24 hours a day, basically. She was up all night kind of responding to these messages and stuff, which then led to, you know, tiredness, depression. The list goes on. But I guess in terms of of the things that really shook me and that also gave me a a little bit of hope and and a, a bit of sense of pride in in my daughter was that there was, in fact, times where she would say to him, you know I'm only 12, right? Like, that's wrong. Like, I could not ever be your girlfriend. Or there were messages about how he would love to have morning sex with her and when she replied, that would be wrong, he said, well, we could make it nighttime sex. I'd have sex with you any time of the day. In the case of Fiona's daughter the offender didn't resort to threats. Instead, he manipulated this young girl with attention and made her feel special, something that an introverted child can crave. And Fiona's daughter fell for it and fell hard. 
I think she, like most young women out there, became addicted to the attention that he was bestowing on her. So whilst we've just pointed out some of the really horrendously negative stuff, there was lots of, you're just so beautiful, you know, you're a a gorgeous person inside and out, I can't wait to hold you in my arms. And that stuff, I think, is what she clung to. So whilst she knew that the the sexual talk and, and asking for nude images and things like that were definitely inappropriate. I think she clung to sometimes this is really uh, sweet and and beautiful and it makes me feel really good about myself. So I don't believe she ever took steps to to block him or to tell anyone about it because that became a real focus of her life. It made her feel just as good about herself as what it did make her feel horrendous, if that makes any sense. She, in a sense, knew what was happening was wrong. I think she felt pretty powerless to stop it, and she certainly felt powerless to let anyone know, which um, is probably the most hurtful thing out of it for me as her mum, is that she didn't feel that she could come to me and and tell me what was going on. And that's something that has continued to affect our relationship to this day. You know, three and a half years later, it's, it's still something that I struggle with. During this entire six week period that her daughter was being groomed, Fiona had no knowledge of what was going on inside her own house until one morning in May 2017. I arrived at work after dropping my children off at school and was met by my boss in the car park who was extremely anxious. He'd been trying to get in contact with me all morning. He had become aware of some text messages that had been sent from my daughter's phone to a friend of hers who was attending the same high school and uh, her parents had gotten in touch. Those messages were around committing suicide. Um, That she had stated that she had taken a number of tablets and was sitting at school waiting to die. So I went and picked her up and it was... Thankfully, I cry for help and she hadn't taken anything. But what came about from that was me actually going through her phone and trying to pinpoint what was going on. Looking back in hindsight, there was lots of behaviours that I wish I had paid closer attention to. She'd become quite withdrawn She would spend a lot of time in her room. She was connected to her phone non-stop. Fiona's daughter didn't tell anyone what was happening. Following her discovery, Fiona herself lodged an online report via the AFP portal. They responded immediately and began the investigation which ultimately led to the offender being convicted and jailed. Fiona's daughter is in a much better place now and her relationship with her mother is continually improving. 
This story highlights just how easily online grooming of a child can happen and spiral out of control. And while we can't always be there every minute of the day to protect our kids, as parents, we can educate ourselves and empower our kids with the knowledge of what to do when things go wrong. It's hard as a a parent to know that things like this can happen and happen so easily and still allow your child use of those things. For me, I guess I I wish that if I could go back that I would have perhaps just educated it a little bit more around what she could do if she felt in an uncomfortable situation. We talk a lot about what we do in real life. We know that we can knock on a neighbour's door. We know that, you know, we can approach a police officer in the street. We do all those things as, as parents, but our reality has shifted so far to online now. A lot of our predators are there. They're not the, the man in the white van with the boiled lollies anymore that you're fearful of. It, it's someone who potentially even lives in another country who's become this person. So I think putting as much effort into that literacy around being safe online and knowing what to do if things do go wrong is probably my greatest wish. My biggest advice to parents out there would be have those conversations. Know that your children are confident and comfortable in blocking people, in reporting things, even if it is just via that platform, if there is behaviour that is upsetting, if there's videos that are upsetting, if there is anything that has caused to make you feel uncomfortable, act on it and it's okay to act on it and to report that behaviour. Knowing how to take action and where to report offensive online behaviour is important knowledge for all parents, teachers and carers. If a child is being contacted inappropriately or groomed by an adult online, you can make a report to the ACE website. That's accce.gov.au forward slash report. Try and collect evidence first, then block the user. If you believe a child is in immediate danger, call triple zero or your local police. You can provide anonymous information about this crime to crimestoppers.com.au or on 1800 000. If you see child abuse material online, make a report to esafety.gov.au forward slash report who can help get it removed. For more information and access to tools, resources and advice, as well as reporting and support services, please visit thinkyouknow.org.au. And if any of the content from this podcast has raised concerns for you personally, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Kids Helpline on 1800 1800. Coming up in Episode 7 of Closing the Net... We go inside the ACE and talk to the amazing men and women who dedicate their lives to pursuing online child sex offenders and protecting kids from harm. There's this passion that everyone has in in working this crime type. Whilst some people might think, why do people do it? Why do people constantly have to push this barrow and, and work so hard at something like this? Every time a child is saved or every time we identify someone from a child exploitation image, you get a win. 
And it's all these little wins that are going to add up, and that's why people do it. The opinions, beliefs and viewpoints expressed by the individuals featured in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions, beliefs and viewpoints of the ACE or the AFP. Closing the Net is a production of the Australian Centre to Counter Child Exploitation and the Australian Federal Police. Written and researched by Nicole Gunn and Dave Carter with additional research by Anna Swain. Audio production by Daryl Misson. Original music by Kyle Gutterson. Produced by Dave Carter on behalf of Media Heads. If you found this podcast informative, please take the time to share it, write a review and subscribe to the series on your favourite podcast app. To learn more about the work of The Ace with regards to online child sexual exploitation, follow us on Facebook and Twitter or visit the website accc.gov.au.